Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One, two, one, two, three. Mm. Hey, thank you for listening to the Performance Anxiety Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am your host, Mark, and we are joined by the multi-talented David Heatley from the comfort of his car. He was kind enough to chat with me about his incredibly varied career. Music was very important to him early on. He started a few bands like Velvet Cactus Society and the Bischoffs. Both bands were fun, junkyardy kind of bands, but when David kind of took creative control, he figured his next project should probably just be a solo project. But in addition to his music, David has also been a very successful illustrator. His creativity tends to cycle between being introverted and creating his art until he starts feeling the need to be extroverted and to perform and it served him really well he also tells us how he would reach out to artists he admired and send them his work it's worked to his benefit on many occasions the latest being his new album life our own way he wrote to legendary producer mark bingham that led to some conversations that led to demos which led to studio sessions which led to the new album David's new album has just come out and he's already working on the next one. And just in case he wasn't busy enough, he's working on TV shows, including one based on his addiction to 12-step programs. So give him a follow at David Heatley. Buy the new album, Life Our Own Way. Follow us at Performance ANX on the socials. Check us out and all the other great podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Rate and review us all. You can help support the show through ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety or performanceanx.threadless.com. And I hope you enjoy David Heatley on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. You're listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast. My name is David Heatley. I have this new record out called Life Our Own Way, and I'm psyched to talk to Mark about it. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This is this is cool. I uh, I started looking up some of the stuff you've done, and and man, you're quite the creative guy. Why? Thank you. I appreciate that. So, where are you based out of? I'm out of Winchester, Virginia. Oh, cool. So nice. I'm yeah, I'm about seventy five miles due west of DC. Right on. So, and I know you're in Louisiana right now, right? I am. Yeah. Excuse the dark car. I'm just I'm halfway on the way to New Orleans and I was like, not going to make it to the city in time. So I was like, I'll just do it from the, uh, in this parking lot here. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right. So where are you yeah. from originally? 
Uh, I live in Queens, New York, okay. and I'm from New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, whereabouts in Jersey? Teaneck. Do you know Teaneck? Yeah, yeah. I used to live in Branchburg, so I was like right in the central Jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah, right in like Somerset, Hunter and County border. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, Jersey roots. So, like I said, I was checking your creative history out a bit, mm-hmm. and I mean, you're a cartoonist, an animation director, musician. Was that something that, that, I mean, was your family full of creative people? Were there a lot of artists in the family or are you kind of like the, the black sheep who is a little bit different from everybody? Well, my, I have two brothers and we're all creative people. Um, my mom like studied theater in college. So she's got a creative streak. My dad sang show tunes around the house and wrote, I think sonnets when he was in college. So yeah, there's definitely some creativity. They both wound up in like kind of jobs that they didn't necessarily feel connected to with their souls. So unfortunately that, yeah. So that wasn't like uh, modeled for me how to actually, you know, keep doing art throughout your life and keeping it fresh for yourself. But yeah, I would say, I think honestly, just my town growing up Teaneck in the nineties, for whatever reason, was just like an explosively creative place to be. So many of my friends were artists and theater people and musicians, and it was just like an amazing melting pot. So I think that's probably a lot of my, my roots of my creativity are really there, like learning to make songs and paintings and comics with my friends in high school. You know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Was art something that you studied or was it something that just kind of came naturally to you? when, I mean, I guess when, yeah. when did you really decide that, that you really enjoyed art? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, it's funny. I kind of tease my parents, like, cause I feel like in some ways they didn't quite pick up on the signals well enough, but it's like, if you go back to me being like a toddler, practically, I'm, I'm drawing my own little picture books, like sitting under the table, making my own kids books. I'm, I have a tennis racket. I'm pretending to play the guitar. Like I I was, I was telegraphing (laughs) at a very early age what I was interested in, you know? So yeah, that, that goes back to as early as I can remember drawing little cartoons and books and, and my own stories and just like really loving the worlds of, picture books like you know dr seuss or richard scary or oh yeah um you know any of these like children's books at first and then comics later newspaper strips and also comic books so yeah i mean it wasn't until high school that i really felt like i guess a little bit middle school but high school i really felt like wow i I actually can draw i'm pretty i'm pretty decent at this and i i just enjoyed it and i liked doing these little cartoon uh, when I had a band, I would like draw the flyers for the band and, you know, oh, nice. so yeah, I was always kind of, I was sort of always doing both really. Were you musical at an early age too, or was that something you picked up later? Yeah. I mean, I was always in school bands and stuff and I was always very like music was essential to my life. I actually do kind of feel like, you know, discovering like the talking heads in middle school, like saved my life. Cause I could wow. just go into my headphones and, you know, ignore all the idiots around me and just feel like someone out there in the world understood me, you know, yeah. and they might be giants was another big band. They might be giants. Like those two kind of saved me through middle school. Oh, I felt wow. so out of step with everyone, but, but yeah, it wasn't until high school that I was like, I actually discovered this band, uh, King Missile. Oh and, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, one of the members of that 
this guy named Dog Bowl. Um, he had a solo career too. And and they were like my idols because it didn't sound like that far off from what I could actually do. It was like a little junky guitar sounding and the song <laughs> lyrics were, sounded very kind of like rushed sometimes. And I, yeah, it, it just gave me permission to, to just try and do it myself in high school, you know? That's awesome. That's, well, <laughs> yeah. that's the first King Missile reference I've had in, in almost 250 episodes. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were seminal for me. And I'm, I'm just talking specifically about the the earliest incarnation of king missile just to, to be clear it was a yeah. king missile parentheses dogfly religion that was the name of the original band oh, i mean okay. the other stuff's great too but this was like the the weirdo weirdo stuff that i loved <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> when did you start playing with other people and, and playing out yeah, that, that would be high school. So I, I had a friend named Kyle, and we just decided to form a two-person band. We were called Velvet Cactus Society. I and heard we, that. Um, <laughs> we, we kind of modeled ourselves like on Ween, or They Might Be Giants. Early They Might Be Giants was like a two-person band. And yeah. So, yeah, it was just about like – it was kind of like really bad stoner spoken word poetry with like quirky, <laughs> quirky-ass music behind it. But There's some, uh, definitely know. some interesting stuff in there. <laughs> we yeah we, we did we, we played like some open mics in the east village and you know had a couple gigs we played our our high school you know homeless benefit show that was maybe the biggest audience i've still yet ever had to date like you know hundreds of people in this <laughs> high school auditorium listening to me and my little dinky song so that was kind of cool <laughs> well i checked out the uh eight song album that's like 26 songs which i thought was yes. awesome i actually i love that. i love that it's called eight songs and there's 26 of them on there yeah and it started off yeah. when i sleep naked just made just killed me i'm awake i vaguely remember the course of the evening last night a lot happened I was reading a book about a man who falls in love with a fish. It is his truly beloved fish, and I think of you, and I try to draw parallels between you and the fish, and so somehow we back up whether or not you love me by how much you look like a fish. The room was bleeding last night, and I found myself in knight's armor with long braided hair, screaming in German as you lay dead by my feet. Something about evil or something. And I drink the blood and scream, and my teeth grow long, and now I'm sucking. Every song on that that I had a chance to listen to is just, I mean, I can definitely feel the the ween type of influence, mm -hmm. and it's just awesome. These songs are short, they're funny, they're catchy, it's hilarious. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. I... I, I'm, I cringe very hard thinking about some of those songs, but I, I appreciate you taking the time and digging it up. That's what I love doing with this podcast, digging deep, yeah. finding all the digging skeletons. Deep. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy 
that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. The deep so, cuts. Yeah. <laughs> what came first? Was there a, a point where you decided you were going to pursue art over music as a career? Or did you want music over art and you just kind of fell into it? How did that Yeah. Happen? So I went off to college. Uh, first, I went to Oberlin College and I studied, you know, painting there and, um, psychology and some other subjects and i did keep playing in bands there at the time and actually when i dropped out of oberlin i thought okay i'm gonna go to new york and i'm gonna be a musician i'm gonna just like make this my thing and i just kind of somehow like once i got there i just sort of like lost the will and really fell in love with comics and just kind of got super introverted Uh (laughs) i seem to cycle i seem to cycle between this like introverted stages and then like being a little more extroverted and wanting to get out there and perform so this was like kind of a long stretch of like you know what i actually really like being in my room and just drawing these comics and not having to interact with people i'm going to do this for a while and then (laughs) it, it seems like once yeah once i get through that cycle then it's like um the music comes like roaring back out of me it's like oh, no no no, this is important too and so i think yeah honestly for the last like 20 years it's sort of cycled between those two like i get super intense with one or the other and okay. not off not not often at the same time sometimes at the same time not often though so you're yeah. you're not writing throughout this whole time it's kind of like a creative bursts sort of i mean i might be getting song ideas like well, you know, I, I just I have two published uh, graphic memoirs and like while working on them, yeah, I would be getting song ideas. But it was always it was almost like like a, a kid nagging at you like, no, nah, I'll deal with you later. You know, you're yeah. just like, I, I don't I don't have time for you right now. You, you sort of record the idea of it, but you don't. I can't sit down and actually write the thing. So it's, you know, yeah, I have to put it off a bit sometimes. OK, so that makes a little more sense because I did see that, you know, you're the one book that you'd put out. Uh, My brain is hanging upside down. You have a soundtrack for that. As I watched it on TV, somehow it really bothered me. You drank in all the bars in town for an expanded foreign policy. Pick up the pieces. I- Yeah, well, yeah, you did your homework. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I do instead of my job. I go to work and I just and I do research for my podcast instead of my actual job. <laughs> Excellent. I support that wholeheartedly. <laughs> so, all right, so you are kind of it does kind of overlap at times then. Yeah, that's true. But but the funny thing is like so that <laughs> I handed in the book and, you know, in the publishing world, you hand in a book and then like a year later it comes out or something. So I finished right. it, handed it in. And then in my case, it was maybe only five, six months later. But in that six months, I suddenly was like, now I want to do music. And so then I got this idea, oh, I'll, I'll write songs kind of related to the book and we'll try and put it out at the same time. And, you know, it was it was 
that sort of thing. So in some ways, okay. it was after the book was done that the music really came to the forefront. You okay. Know? All right. Yeah. And you, you've done a couple of other things. So you're also in the Bischoffs, and you've done Angels Number Band, and you've had a lot of your artwork published all over the place. I'm, I'm looking up, trying to find out. My notes are all over the place today, so I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I don't know. My whole day is a, has been a like this whole mishmash of insanity. So, all right. So you had no worries at all, man. <laughs> you've had uh, comics and drawings, and uh, they've been in New Yorker, every section of the New York Times. Uh, you've appeared in Granta, McSweeney's, Best American Comics, Nickelodeon Magazine, Time Out, and. Let's see. Okay, so you, you illustrated Otis Duda's children's book. Mm-hmm. And there's also yeah. music for that. There's music for that. He's just a skinny kid, but he's got health. His friends are Cat and Perry and Boris and well. He's got his mom and dad at least. And his brother Gunther. Smoochie the rat. He moved from Hogshead to NYC. Now there's a kid in a potted plant living in his lobby. Please don't put a curse on me. No, I, I definitely have had like quite a run of it as like an illustrator and a cartoonist that was, um, I've had a fair amount of success or I'd say visibility. It's not like my books weren't like bestsellers or anything, but <laughs> enough to like get my name out there. And, but yeah, I guess, uh, well, in the case of the Otis Duda book, like that was a, a publisher came to me and said, would you like to illustrate this book by this author? And I, and I loved it so much. I was like, became friends with her and i was like you know I'm, I'm starting to hear these like songs related to your characters okay if i like make some songs about it and she loved the idea so we you know i would send her these demos when i finished them and she's like oh my god i love it keep going and so before <laughs> i knew it I, I just had an album of these like kids songs and it was around the same time my kids were that age of that reading series so it was okay. sort of perfect i could kind of share the songs with them and share the drawings with them and we could bond over the otis duda series that so was pretty fun oh that's awesome yeah, yeah. I, I went back and listened to some of that like potted plant guy and <laughs> yeah. subway zombies I mean, they're, they're really nice. cool i like that it's really interesting stuff thanks man yeah that that was that was one of those projects that's kind of like you know, came out of me like a torrent too. I just would stay at my art studio till two in the morning and record like three of them or something. And, uh, you know, I don't know. They just wrote, they wrote themselves really quick. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Going back a little bit, what was the first thing that got, that you had published? How did that whole career start for you? Um, so I've always been a believer in kind of like self-publishing and then just sending your stuff to the artists you really admire the most. And that's what I've always done. Like I kind of, oh, cool. Would, would make my little comics and Xerox them or whatever. And then I'd get like, you know, Daniel Klaus's address or Chris Ware and like mail it to them. And I would sometimes get a response and then, you know, keep sending them stuff as it, as I got better. And yeah, when I was living in Chicago, I actually was sending my stuff to Chris Ware and he, he was like incredibly responsive and generous. And we wound up like kind of becoming friends and he, he opened some doors for me with like a, 
a free weekly in Chicago. I did some work for them. And then, you know, he invited me to be in McSweeney's when he's editing it. And so I don't know. Yeah. You sort of build on these and it was never for me. It wasn't like networking to kind of try and get somewhere in my career. It was like, I just had a genuine connection and interest with this guy's work. I wanted him to see my work, but that often is how these things happen for people. It's like, you just extend yourself to the people whose work you love the most and and most likely they'll feel some affinity for what you're doing because you're so deeply you know in tune with their work so yeah, yeah that's how it's sort of always happened for me just like focusing and the, the new yorker was the same thing like, i was like sending my stuff to francois Mouly, who chooses the covers for years like a years-long courtship of just sending her things <laughs> and then finally she, if you if she likes you enough, she then puts you on the list of people she'll she'll deign to accept a sketch from, you know. And then <laughs> once you get past that stage, you might like one of your sketches. So it was that kind of courtship, you know. Oh, that's really <laughs> wild. So it sounds to me like you know, you weren't using connections and, and these the people to further your career. Like you said, you, you actually had a genuine interest in what they were doing and you just kinda wanted to share what you were doing and that when that happens, when you do that, it the sincerity is apparent and they'll, they take you a lot more seriously. That's yeah, that's exactly it. Like I've never written some kind of like letter or email or something, just trying to ingratiate myself. I only ever write from the heart like this. Look, your, your work means the world to me and here's why. And then like, if you happen to like my stuff here, it is too. And then, yeah, you'll see, you'll see what happens. That's always kind of what I tell people is um, just extend yourself. Cause you'd be surprised at how, how few people actually do write and try and get in touch with, yeah. with, with people. I mean, it's, it's kind of rare, so it does cut through, you know? Yeah. So when did you start working with, uh, or playing with the Bischoffs? Is that something that, that you formed or is that, is that something you joined? How'd... Yeah, that was, that was definitely my band. It was like three of my close high school friends, honestly, when we were like way out of high school though, we were like 30 or something. <laughs> so it was like a high school band, like, you know, after the fact. And um, I'm not sure. I think it just, yeah, it sort of naturally started. One of my friends was like, Hey, we should just play, get together and play some of your songs. And then it was like, this other friend was like, why don't I join? And then the fourth friend. And before we knew it, like we had this kind of cool format, which is that I played, I played an acoustic guitar my other friend played like a an acoustic guitar with a pickup so he could make it electric. The drummer played a school desk. He just like <laughs> would bang on a school desk and we would mic that. And then the other guy played like a tambourine and sang with us. So it was just this kind of four part harmony acoustic junky mess, which was great. It really like it worked out pretty well. That's hilarious. <laughs> what do you play? The electric desk. <laughs> exactly. It's, oh, I gotta hear that. <laughs> but the music is fun. Mastermind creator Cartwheels and drawings and stories and strange theater How can you never pause until you're happy? Thank you. It sounded yeah. like you guys had a blast doing it. We really did. I mean, I think our friendship does come through on that record. There's a <laughs> lot of love between the, the four of us. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. So the album that you, you're releasing now is mm-hmm. is a solo album. It's not a Bischoff's album. What was 
the impetus to make an album on your own? Yeah, so I did do... So one thing that happened with the Bischoffs is like, we had a really great, like I said, kind of junkyardy live sound that once we got into the studio, I was realizing it was just not translating over. And the record that we made kind of became almost like a collaborator between me and the producer named Jeff Lipstein. And so to the point where the band almost didn't recognize it as like our band, they were kind of like, this is just you. Oh, wow. And it was, it wasn't like super contentious, but they were not like I was happier with the record than they were. And so I think that was the start of feeling like, you know what? I mean, maybe I just need to have my own, just call it my name if I'm going to, if I'm going to be making all these creative decisions and, you know, so I think that was the start of the idea that I, I would have more solo projects going forward. And then before this current record, I did do these series of three EPs under that angel numbers moniker. And that, This puts the nail in the coffin of me ever being sexified Strolling through the mall in California with some fashion model European by my side was um yeah that was that could have been a full-length album i guess but this is really my proper like debut like collection of songs as an album as a statement and those were sort of eps like you know getting me here on the way here basically okay I, yeah. I do like dream puppy and um the, oh i davy curly jets that's <laughs> yeah. i love that song that's a great song You got in touch with uh, former podcast guest Mark Bingham. Yes. How did that happen? How did you get, because that that dude's like a legend. How did you get in touch with him and start working with him? I know. I'm sort of pinching myself, to be honest. Um, I guess it's what I just described to you, which is that, you know, so Peter Stamfell's record came out, and I had already been a fan of the work he's done with Mark uh, going back years. I, I just love mark's production on peter's records and so when this new you know 20th century album came out with 100 songs i was like gobsmacked and and to me i mean peter's wonderful like to me the the production of those albums are what make them like just absolutely stellar and so i essentially just wrote mark uh, a fan email and just literally gushed i probably off the top of my head could you know pick out 20 different songs and here's what I loved about this one and that one and your choices here and there. And he's incredibly humble, obviously. So he, but he did respond and he was like, all he did was kind of like credit the musicians who did those things that I liked. And I'm like, no, no, no. But I like that you thought of it and you got the guys like I'm talking to you, you know? Yeah. He's funny that way. He just deflects. But anyway, we, we did strike (laughs) up a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a correspondence. and, And I said, Hey, you know, I've been, 
I've been writing songs for a long time and I have this new batch of songs I wrote during quarantine and like I've just been demoing you know here if you if you want to you know dream of mine to work with you someday if you want to just like listen to some of these and to my surprise he did and then to my further surprise he was like these are great why don't you why don't we do a few of these if you could come down here we could do like four of them as a test and just see wow. so that's that was what happened last summer you know that's I mean, incredible incredible yeah Jeez. so you didn't have a band ready to go he you had to put he one formed, together he formed like this freaking solid you know new orleans glitterati <laughs> incredible band for me i mean i just that's part of this process that's just blown my mind it's like wow <laughs> i've just have never heard my songs like in such lush full color production the way mark's done them and with such great musicians no slights to the people i've played with before i mean right I, i've played with some great musicians but there's something about mark kind of manning the ship you know uh yeah. it's just raised the whole thing to another level for me so who is in or i guess who's playing on the album i know i know a few people yeah so um kirkland middleton and brian weber are the two they're kind of the rhythm section um brian actually plays bass and lots of guitar on the record okay. but the two of them the two of them are in the lost bayou ramblers that's yeah. um they're kind of the anchoring that band um and mark plays with them in in a couple different bands so and then there's uh tiff lampson who's uh she's in a she's from a band called givers new orleans based and um she plays a bunch of percussion she sings two different duets with me she sings a lot of background vocals and then there's like sarah quintana sings on it lily lewis julie odell Michael Cerverus sings and he plays guitar on it. Um, God. And then I know it's like, and then uh, Cassie Francelon, she's a harp player. I mean, just, uh, oh, yeah. I've had Cassie and Brian on uh, with Shakespeare in the Blues. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Incredible record. I oh, yeah. Record they made. Yeah. That's amazing so, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, am I, maybe I'm forgetting someone, but I hope not. Um, Lily, da, da. oh, and then Jana Sassala played flute on it. I think that was it. Oh, yeah, I know. Mark's just, it was like, it, I was going to say the kitchen sink, but it's way more tasteful than that. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't just throw everything at it. He very carefully curated and chose these people for each song. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if Mark Bingham says, hey, come on over, I got something I want you to be on, you, you're, you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sarah, and with the, the bonus thing was I didn't, I just thought, okay, it'll be really cool to play with these musicians. I'll never see them again. Right. No, I ma I made friends. I have all these friends now down here, thanks to Mark. That's awesome. So like, yeah. And I remember sitting with Sarah Quintana. Like, uh, first of all, now now I'm all a fan of like all of their music. Yeah. I didn't know any of them, and now I'm like, oh my god, they're all incredible. Yeah. So Sarah, I'm like a huge fan of her songs, and um, we're just sitting together during the session, and she's just like looking at me, and she's like do you know who you have on your album? She's like, you have this person, this person. And she looks at me, she goes, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, exactly. Who the hell am I? <laughs> God, I've been listening to it for days now. And there's some beautiful harmonies on it, some amazing duets, like on your side. Uh, if we became lovers, two of my favorite harmonies and and duets i mean those are those are awesome tracks oh thank you man thank you i'm very pleased with those too yeah so you became
explosive all night Within a few hours we have our first fight And I love how the album just, it's, it's kind of circular to me because mm. you start off with, you know, some really almost like psychedelic kind of sound and it, yeah. it just goes into a little more sunnier sounds, mm-hmm. goes into a little heavier stuff. And right in the middle, you got that. I love you. Duh. Which, <laughs> yep. which is completely different from anything else on the album. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then, and then you you bring it all back around with uh, uh, "Rock My Mind" and uh, with Johnny's new hair. Johnny's yeah. new hair. Yeah. as heavy as it begins but it's hmm. there's so much in the middle it feels like it just goes in a perfect circle i, I love albums that do that oh that's cool i didn't really make that connection myself I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that that's that's interesting makes me feel like my intuitive like reasoning for picking this order made some kind of sense yeah. so that's good <laughs> sequencing worked man <laughs> but what i liked about a lot of the songs in the beginning is they sound like light and summery. It's it's I mean mm-hmm. now lyrically, they're maybe not as light, <laughs> but <laughs> musically they're they're like like if we became lovers, yeah. sounds so bright and happy. But lyrically, man, that's that's some not happy stuff, kind of. It's it's a very dark song. Yeah, it really is. yeah. <laughs> I think that's why Mark. I think that's why Mark liked that one so much too. Is like let's just make this really feel like. I don't even know what the carpenters or some, some kind of seventies, like light, you know, yes. AM, AM gold kind of, and I, I love that stuff. I just love it. But then, yeah, the, the lyrics are very much, uh, incredibly cynical and heartbreaking in a way. What song changed the most from the time you s- sent it to Mark to the finished album? Is there one mm. that, that transformed a lot? Yeah, let me think about that. I mean, really, all of them did, but probably like I Love You, duh, hearing it. First of all, I always did conceive of it as like a female lead singing that song. It's like a, a bratty girl rap that just right. came, it just came to me and kind of bugged me for like literally a couple of years. And it was like, are you going to record me or not? And it was like, I guess I got to record you. <laughs> and, and I, and I downloaded it myself and I felt so awkward doing it. I was like, I don't, I can't pull this off. So the idea, like when I finally got to the studio and heard Sarah, like do this rap that I wrote, it just blew my mind. It was, I was on the floor, like, crying laughing it was so much fun and then mark like just changed my my little dinky casio beat to just you know <laughs> crazy you know phil specter wall of sound like yeah. nonsense um, I mean, it was great <laughs> it is it's, it's it's it was i wasn't expecting that you must be some kind of idiot not to notice me staring do you see what i'm wearing now you just act like you don't care when i walk by I had you pegged for a smart guy, but you don't seem to want no part of my heart. Why? I got this feeling if we were to get together, you'd 
In right, like right in the middle of the where did this come from? All right. It's, it's startling, but in a really cool way. Good. I'm glad. Is, yeah. Is there a song that really didn't change much from the time you started recording to the time it, the album came out? Hmm. Um, I mean, the only one I'd say, like, Rock My Mind, Mark definitely added some, like, really tasty choices to it. But I think like that one, I actually had a studio demo of that that I sent to him. And okay. I feel like it was the the bones of that were pretty well worked out. So I, th- I don't think that changed a whole lot. Again, he, he made some really nice, subtle tweaks that, yeah. that really helped. But yeah. How long did it take to record the whole thing? It was honestly like lightning quick. I mean, I, I went down there in May. We did four songs in just a, a few days. And then I was like, I want to do a ton more. Let me come in. We came, I came down and did like 14, wait, I did 11 more songs in 10 days. Wow. So, Jeez. and so then, and I, I think just a month later, it was like mastered. I mean, you know, by, by September or October or something, it was done. So yeah, we Man. did it really quick. Were all the songs written out before you got to the studio or did you, were there any that, that kind of were created in the studio? None were created in the studio, but Mark has a great way of working. Uh, we're, we're actually doing this album. Though I'm down here recording with him again. That's where awesome. he found me. And this album's a pretty different process, but for the Life Our Own Way project, he had this really cool method, which is like, he didn't teach anyone the songs. He had people listen to them, but he's like, when we get in the room, that's when we figure out the song. And I would just sit there with my guitar and play it for people. And everyone made up their parts, like, and they would try a few different things. Wow. And then like, before we know it, we're just tracking. And then, you know, three takes in, we've got the take. And like, he's very, he believes, and this is the way I work too. It's like, it's very intuitive and it's very much in the room, in the moment, in the air between the people in the room. And that's that's how the best stuff. So that's, I mean, that's definitely the, the band process. And this time he wants to be a little bit more like, we're kind of making more like of a, a back rack album where he, he wants to really Ooh. make lots of nice little parts for everything, which I'm very cool with. Oh, know? that is awesome. So, yeah. You know, it makes it a little easier when you've got some pretty amazing professionals working with you like guys from uh, from the lost bayou ramblers i mean yeah you don't get yeah. much better than that those guys are incredible 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 i know pinch me <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things in reading about you and, and trying to do as much research as i can is i found the books that you've written now we, we discussed one but you've you've got another book that i've I've got to find, I've got to get this because this sounds so fascinating. Qualification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is amazing. So you kind of became, a, I don't even, I guess want to say kind of, I guess maybe it was an addiction to, to 12 step programs. Yes. <laughs> That's the graphic. It's a graphic memoir about, you know, I was raised in a 12 step household, which was a bit culty, honestly. Okay. And it was sort of, uh, you know, it was like shoved down my throat since, my early teens and it wasn't until I turned 30 that I finally kind of felt like my life was a bit of a mess and maybe I did need a program or two and my mom never let up since I was a teen just kept pushing it on me and then yeah the story is really about getting sucked in and going to these programs myself and then finding myself six years in 
completely addicted to the program itself and like piling more and more meetings on more and more programs thinking like pathologizing every part of my be you know every behavior was suddenly an addiction i mean it's i'm not saying everyone's like that but that it was sort of like the exact wrong thing for my personal <laughs> dysfunctions. It was like, all it did was make me crazier in a way. So you were um, going to like 12 step programs for issues you didn't even have. By the end. Yeah. That's when my, wow. and I, it really, this really honestly drove my wife, Rebecca, absolutely crazy, which is <laughs> a lot of what the, the book is kind of about us and like, you know, will we stay together? And we did, you know, we, we worked it out, but yeah, by the end I was going to AA a meeting every day and I didn't even drink. So that was where she was like, drew the line. Like wow. you have lost your mind. Why are you going to Alcoholics Anonymous? You don't even drink. That's <laughs> so. amazing. That's wow. There's uh, an ad- adaptation of this coming out possibly in the future. Yeah. We're, we're pitching this as a TV series. Now me and a co-writer a friend of mine in a production company. So we actually have some pitch meetings like, when I get back to New York, which is kind of cool. Oh um, man, but, that sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah, I would say we're far from having a show. It's really just like conversations now, but it is exciting. It's it's definitely like where I want to point my my career. I want to do like more TV and and music, basically. That's fantastic. I mean, this honestly, th- this whole the premise of the, of the book sounds just fascinating to me. It's it's <laughs> incredible. I'm gonna have to get the book because it's just wild i cannot I, i'm just i'm excited it's first you might you might dig it i yeah i can't wait because i it's i can't think of a book that i'm just dying to read and it's been a while i should say and uh it, the, the premise is just fascinating to me so so no, i'm you, honored thanks man you are currently headed to new orleans to record stuff for another album and as of this recording, this, your, your album we're talking about hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. That's no, I, I've actually just left um, the Arnoville area where I was recording. So we, we actually just finished recording today. Okay. Um, and so now I'm just going to hang out with friends in New Orleans. My new friends, yes. my new New Orleans <laughs> friends now that I'm a musician down here. That is um, incredible. Yeah, so we we just did basic tracks. The the thing with Mark this time was I said I'd like to come down and do like a really laser targeted like four days, try and knock as many tracks as we can. We got thirteen songs done in four days, just the basic wow. tracks, and then and I told him like take the year and just like <laughs> if dream up parts and if you think of you know he's like I have a harp part for this, I have some strings for that, just do it and like wow. we'll. I'll come down in the fall or something and record vocals. I don't know. That's that's the way we're thinking now. So. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, you just never stop working. You always <laughs> yeah. got something going on. Got it. Yeah, I gotta gotta stay busy, otherwise I go nuts. So, are you planning on supporting the album that's coming out with any live shows, or are you just going to move on to the next project? Yeah, I feel like I'm not so much of a live musician. Um, I've been making like animated music videos for for a couple of the songs. So like Life Our Own Way, the the title track, um, I just finished a video for that that's going to premiere on our website soon. Something happens between the hour of midnight and dawn. Deeper frequency, no one but me, she can be on. I know you tried to raise us right, but you raised us wrong. 
drew every frame of the video by hand so it's got like about a thousand different drawings in it wow. um and that that's yeah that's been <laughs> ta taking up my time for the last few months and that's done and then i hired an illustrator and animator to do on your side actually the song you mentioned uh we have a really nice video for that that's going to be done soon so i'm kind of yeah i like kind of marrying the two if i can like these animations and the and the music and I haven't, maybe I'll do like a, a small show in my neighborhood or something just for some neighbors, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to play out too much right now. Besides the next album, is there more artwork or books in the future? Yeah, I think, I mean, I have one book. So after my, after qualification came back, I actually have done a series of these like small little books that I serialized on Instagram first. Oh. So I would draw... Like, you know, on Instagram, you can have up to 10 different slides for uh, for a, a post. And yeah. so I would make I'd make these like 10 page chapters, you know, a post at a time on Instagram. And, and I wound up making three like kind of little novella sized books and two of them I self-published. And, and the third one I haven't self-published yet. So I'll probably try and print that up in the new year or this year. I don't have any other comics planned for right now. I'm, I'm really, really kind of want to keep doing the tv thing yeah. i have my own show i'm pitching and then the the musician i mentioned tiff from givers who sings the duet, duets with me we've really become friends and i'm actually trying to develop a, a tv series with her too she has a great wow. idea so we're like an animated series for her so yeah there's like a bunch of that kind of stuff i want to do oh that is awesome so how can people pick up life our own way and follow you and find out what you're up to find out when the next album's coming out, find out, you know, maybe follow your art as well. Yeah. I mean, the best place to follow me is just on Instagram. It's my name, David Heatley, H-E-A-T-L-E-Y, uh, -E -E one word. And then, you know, Life Our Own Way is going to be streaming everywhere um, February 11th this year. So I'm not doing any physical copies, but um, okay. it'll be on every platform you can imagine. And uh, like I said, the, the music videos will be up on youtube and probably also on my instagram page so awesome. yeah well man i've enjoyed listening to it it's been a blast talking with you i really do appreciate you taking the time from your drive and uh, chatting with me <laughs> about your music and your art it's it's really been a, a lot of fun oh for me too mark thanks for having me this has been great i know that i'm rusty but i hope you can trust me because i'm on your side if you would let me, I would love you so gently Cause I'm on your side I know your heart has been shuttered for a while And rushing into loving is no longer your style But if we take a step together You would realize forever I'll be on your side As soon as I see you, it's not hard 